That's the issue, is that there wasn't any room in my imagination as a pastor for involvement with or collaboration with or partnership with anybody outside of our our organization, our congregation. That's good. Welcome to 242, a podcast of the Buffalo Vineyard Church where we discuss topics that are relevant to our lives as followers of King Jesus. This is season two, episode eight. I'm talking with Mark Harley about our church's value for ministry networks. And we discuss uh, what is a ministry network? Why are they important? Mark also asked me some questions about um, just why I'm so passionate about this value and where that value came from. And then we also talk a little bit about um, just examples of ministry networks and and collaborative projects here in our neighborhood and, and that our church is involved in. I hope you enjoy. All right, Mark, we're talking about ministry networks. Yes, we are. What is a ministry network? So, man, now I'm thinking about some of the stuff I wish I would have said in my sermon. Um, That's what this is for. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, a network is just, you know, um, well, you could talk about a network in like computer terminology, but a network really is just uh, a group of individuals or organizations that have some sort of relationship to each other, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so you'd probably have to have more than two for there to be a network, but you know, the more the merrier. Um, and there's just this like web of interactions and connections and relationships. And, uh, so a ministry network would be a network of relationships between individuals and organizations that is built around, uh, kingdom ministry, right. Doing the work of God's kingdom. And that, um, you know, the, one of the cool things about, a network of, of any kind is that it leverages the resources of the individuals and organizations in ways that are synergistic, right? So that, um, you know, the, the sum is actually greater than the whole of the, 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 the total is greater than just the sum of the parts, right? The, yeah. the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And like, that's exactly the kind of thing we would want if we actually care about the outcome, right? So if we actually care about the fruit of the work that we're doing, we should actually want it to be as efficient and effective as possible, which means, you know, if, if we have, let's say hypothetically 10 churches, you know, 10 congregations and 10 nonprofits all working in our neighborhood. um, I know that's not a real number, but imagine that all working independently and they could do X amount of good. um, You know, I would argue that they could do exponentially more good if they were all actually doing that in cooperative and collaborative ways in relationship with each other. Um, and that, I mean, that, that's the basic idea behind a ministry network is that we could do more good together than we can do apart and not just like, not just adding it up, not just, uh, additive, but, um, um, why I just use the word, why am I blanking on it? addition versus multiplication versus exponential. There you go. Right. 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 So it's not just like adding, um, value. It's like exponential. Mm. Um, I think that's, that's the idea of synergy, you know? Yeah. Did that, did I answer your question at all? I I think so. You just define synergy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, tell me what a ministry network is. No, I'm going to tell you what synergy is. (laughs) Right. Well, synergy is a part of, I mean, that I think synergy is a good way of thinking about what a ministry network is. Right. It's helpful. What would be the opposite of a ministry network, right? It might be helpful to like set up the, 
do you know what I'm saying? Like, like what, what is, you have a, you kind of just painted a picture of like what a ministry network looks like. What does something that, I don't know, a non-ministry network look like? All right, is that so just I'm, one church doing a bunch of things or? Right. Yes. I, so there's, there's some metaphors that I've used in, um, and not just me, me. So, you know, J John Lee is my partner in crime on a lot of this stuff. He's far from the only one, but he and I spent a lot of time talking and thinking and dreaming and working towards, um, building ministry networks here in Buffalo. And, um, so John and I have talked about this quite a bit and come up with some metaphors that help. And so one of the metaphors for what a ministry network is, is the way a village marketplace works. Right. And so when you have a village marketplace, you know, there's like the blacksmith and the, you know, the farmer and the, the, you know, the shopkeeper, like everybody has like their own kind of unique contribution um, they've done some specialization, they bring something, offer it, you know, to others and are trading or purchasing and selling, you know, and that is one model for a community to work together to meet all of the needs of the different people in the community, as opposed to, you can imagine the other end of the scale, um, would be, um, you know, like a, a farmstead or a homestead that exists on a frontier where it's like one family living in a log cabin where they do literally everything by themselves. So if mm -hmm. they need to make nails, they make their own nails. They don't buy nails. If they need a horse shoed, they have to shoe their own horse. If they want food, they got to grow it. If they want to fix a hole in the roof, there's no roofer to call, you know what I mean? And so like that, th there, there's that difference in thinking about, um, you know, the way in which you go about, meeting the needs, you know, we're talking uh, in metaphors, talking about a, uh, like a household. Mm -hmm. And so then when you start thinking about how that applies to ministries, right? It's like, okay, so are we a unique uh, member of a larger network of partners where, you know, we kind of have our niche and we have something unique to offer, but also we have all sorts of ways that we gain value from, you know, again, partnership with Jericho Road or, you know, Resurgent City Church or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, Grace Community Church, like that we have these different ways that we partner and we have what we have to offer. We also have our needs, but if we're like sharing those things with each other, we all actually are benefited from that as opposed to, <clears throat> excuse me, I think often the default setting in ministry is homestead. We do everything ourselves. So it's like, well, we want to, you know, I don't know, worship. So we'll have a worship service and we want to preach the gospel. So we'll have some sort of evangelistic outreach. And we also think that God cares about, you know, medical care. So we'll start our own doctor's clinic right here in our building. Well, what about the one that's two doors down? Yeah, that doesn't count because it's not our, you know, mm -hmm. and it, like, I think that that homestead um, mentality is a lot more the way a lot of ministries operate um, where it's like, we have to do everything ourselves. And it's like, well, but what about, the church or the ministry that's two blocks away. Well, that doesn't really count because it's not ours. We got to do our own thing, mm. which okay. seems sad. Yeah. <laughs> and we can talk more about that. Um, so yeah, you, you just, you just had a, you, you preached about this this past Sunday uh, and something that you brought up in your sermon. And so like, I, you, you're joking like, Oh, I should have talked about that. So hopefully we can talk some more about, about some of the things that you feel like maybe you wanted to expand on or, right. or maybe more appropriate for a conversation as opposed to like a, a sermon setting. Right. So, um, one of the things that you did say, uh, in your sermon, this is something that I know about you already, but you know, it's just a good reminder when you were talking about it on Sunday was 
that out of the previous seven values that we've talked about both here and on Sundays for the last couple of weeks are basically different iterations of things that, uh, you know, maybe we you've gleaned from the bigger vineyard or from the Redding vineyard that you and Tammy were a part of and you brought them, you like, you know, tweaked them a little bit, adjusted them. Uh, but you mostly brought them with you to Buffalo. To I would pl- also to include in that just the wider Christian church as a whole too. Right. right. Sure. Exactly. Right. It's just like Christian, like how do we define a Christian community? It's these things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you brought those things here, right? Like with you to, to plant Buffalo Vineyard Church 15 plus years ago. Uh, but this one is unique in that you, yeah. you, even you talked about this on Sunday, that you feel like it was something that kind of like God worked in you in here. your in your time here and that you learned from, you know, Christians that were here. You, you brought up John Lee. Yep. Um, that is really kind of something that, and you even talked about resisting this in the beginning. Yes. Um, so yeah, just talk more about that. Yeah. And I think it's cool. What I, what excites me about that is, uh, it's a, you responding to a particular place. Mm, yeah. It's really powerful. Well, so I, I think that it's what God wants to do everywhere. And I think it ought to be one of the values of the church and ought to be one of the values of the vineyard. And, you know, mm. so I think it's sad that it's not. Mm. Um, and it's sad that it is something that I would say is unique to what God is doing in Buffalo. I know he's doing this in other places, but I think it's actually just God's heart for his church that we would be united in, you know, I mean, another way of talking about ministry networks is just to say the church, (laughs) the big C church, right? The church, not uh, disintegrated and (laughs) disunified and fractured and fighting with each other. Right. So, so that's actually really sad. Right. Um, But to tell a little bit of the story. So first of all, I had a unique upbringing when it comes to the church in that, um, you know, my parents, it was really important for my parents that we went to church on Sunday and that we, um, by, by that, I mean, like we went to some sort of worship gathering. I went to youth group most weeks, you know, growing up. So like, it was really important that I had those things in my life, but it wasn't all that important that we had Christian community, um, or that I had relationships. And so there's some negative aspects of that in my formation growing up. But one of the real positives about the fact that my parents went to lots of different churches is that I grew up without any sense of like Catholics are going to hell or Pentecostals aren't true Christians, or I didn't have any of that. I actually grew up the other way around where it's like, basically, if you're like big 10 Orthodox Christian, you're we're all part of the same family, you know? And so that's one of the things that my parents gave me. That was a real gift. Um, you know, my dad was raised Catholic. My mom was raised Nazarene, but we went all over the place and it was all, all, if it was about Jesus, then we, we would go hang out there, you know? Mm. So, so that's something that was just kind of in me as a kid that I probably didn't even know was in me. And then, um, coming to the Reading Vineyard, um, the pastor there, Mike Kearns, Every, I mean, probably every Sunday, just about every Sunday, he would stand up in front of the church and he would pray for the other churches in town. Like he just had this real um, commitment to doing that. And um, that was one of the things about that church that for me, I really appreciated, you know, I was like, yeah, that's, that is the kind of posture we should have towards the broader church. And so that was already kind of in me. And then coming to Buffalo, it's like, all right. So, and then on top of that, there's just the theology of the new Testament, right. Which says pretty 
straightforwardly, like we all belong to each other, right? Yeah. So I had this biblical theology. I had this childhood experience. I had this mentor and Pastor Mike that had really modeled that in some ways. But the one thing that wasn't present at all in any of that was any kind of practical collaboration between Christians of different denominations. So as much as, you know, like my parents taught me like, hey, these are all like faithful Christian yeah. communities, none of them were working with each other or talking to each other or interacting with each other. And as much as, you know, Pastor Mike would stand up and pray um, for the other congregations, you know, it wasn't, and that's actually not fair because there were some ways that our, our congregation did collaborate, but mm. it didn't rise to the level of like, this is how we do ministry. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was just kind of something that we did. So again, I like, I don't mean to disparage that at all. I actually really appreciated it, but I didn't come with any sense of my expectation or maybe expectation is the wrong word. It has more to do with imagination, I think than anything yeah. else. Right. Like the way in which I imagined ministry looking was completely self-contained within our church plant and our church as it grew. That's the issue is that there wasn't any room in my imagination as a pastor for involvement with or collaboration with or partnership with anybody outside of our, our organization, our congregation. That's good. Right. And that's obviously a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't even know that it was a problem. And so then coming here, um, I think there were two things that happened. One was, interacting with people like John Lee. There are others too. So uh, Pastor Cap Farrow is the, the he's he since passed away, but he was the pastor of Grace Community Church. His, his wife, um, Pastor Barb, now pastors the congregation. But I met him. I actually met him before I met John. Um, but then through meeting John and becoming friends with John, ended up getting reconnected to, to Pastor Cap. So probably those two men in particular, but others as well, like having conversations and interactions with people who were pushing me on this idea, um, that was one thing that really helped me to learn this. Um, but then the other really, well, actually there's a third thing. So the second thing is we felt called to do things by God that we didn't have the resources to do. Sure. So there's that. Yeah. Right. It's like, I want you to be a winning soccer team, but there's only one of me. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Go, <laughs> go, go find some teammates. Right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so there's that. But then the third thing is really like God was and is doing something unique in Buffalo. Yeah. And uh, as dense as I am, he, <laughs> I ultimately was able to see that like, oh, wow, this is what God is doing. And, you know, even from the very beginning, I don't know if I've shared this with you or not, um, but I've shared it with plenty of people. When, when, when we first moved to Buffalo, I ended up just like reaching out to other pastors and ministry leaders, trying to get to know people mm -hmm. and heard time and time again from pastors and ministry leaders here in Buffalo. They said two things, all of them right? Uh, they said, Ooh, you're here to plant a church. Oh, the church here is really divided and territorial. Everybody's going to be mad that you're here to plant a church. And I was like, Oh, that's a bummer. But then, <laughs> but then they, then they also would follow it up with, but I'm really glad you're here and I want to welcome you. And it's such an encouragement to me that you would come to my city to be a part of what God is doing here. And, and if there's any way I can encourage you or support you, please let me know, which yeah. Seems weird. So everybody was saying the church is divided and nobody will welcome you while at the same time, everybody was welcoming me. Yeah. Weird. So this is weird response. And what I've come to kind of figure out, at least this is my assessment of the situation is that the church in Buffalo does have a history of division. And I mean, that's true in a lot of places, but in Buffalo in particular, there's a lot mm -hmm. of brokenness in the church and the history of the church, um, you know, around, uh, theology, around race, around, um, even just kind of the relationship with the, between the church and the parachurch, 
there's a lot of history of division, but we showed up in, we, we moved here in 2006 in the midst of God attempting to heal that and address mm-hmm. that. And, um, at that time there were really some like not just seeds, but actual flowering of the seeds of, of unity that, you know, people for probably for decades before had been praying and working towards. And we showed up as that was beginning to come to fruition and got to be a part, you know, it's kind of like the surfer doesn't make the wave. He just gets to ride it. And we showed up as that was happening and got to be a part of this like work of unity that the spirit was and is doing in the church. And we've seen it really change. Like in the last 15 years, I still would not say that, um, the MO of the church in Buffalo is unity or collaboration. I still think there's a lot of work to be done, but there are, there are, it's not just a dream or an idea. There actually are ministry networks here in the city of Buffalo that do exist and are functioning. Um, again, not just in theory, but in practice and not just as a prototype, but as like a working reality where there, you know, you can point at projects and initiatives and ministries where it's like, who's doing this? And the answer isn't one church or one organization. It's a partnership. It's a network where it's like, this thing happens because of all of these different entities. And that really, that, that exists. Um, which is super cool to see. It's, it's really powerful. Mm. So do you have, uh, can you name like an example of one? Like what's the first one that comes to mind? That, I mean, I, so I'll just keep it to stuff that I'm personally sure. involved with. Cause I didn't think it, I, I should have thought more. I could have given some other examples, but I mean, so one of the things that I still am personally proud of that I got to be involved in, um, and this is years ago now is the, the, I got to help, um, along with, well, obviously the, bunch of Jericho Road staff involved too, but myself and another pastor here in town helped to pilot the spiritual care program at Jericho Road. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even just like the birth of that came out of... um, Which is what? What is the spiritual spiritual care team at Jericho Road? So it's it's grown to become some other things as well. Um, But it's it's essentially um, individuals who work and or volunteer at Jericho Road who are um, attempting to meet the spiritual needs of patients and of staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, initially, um, myself and this other pastor, Drew Ludwig, um, we came in probably like four or five hours a week. And initially, we're just shadowing Dr. Glick and then some other providers and going in and seeing patients. And um, we were just kind of guinea pigs trying to figure out how to do it. That's what Drew and I did. Um, but, you know, figuring out how to begin to interact with patients in mm-hmm. on the medical side um, and uh, ha- like start to have spiritual conversations with them in, in appropriate ways, you know, cause this isn't a doctor's office. Again, it's a Christian ministry, but also like people are in there seeing their doctor. They're not, they're not asking for like, Hey, please evangelize me while I'm waiting for Yeah, right. <laughs> but also at the same time, you know, figuring out how to go in and have spiritual conversations or offer prayer or ask people questions about, you know, how they're doing, um, that are more pastoral questions instead of medical questions. And, um, so we, again, we played, played guinea pig and detective for, I don't know how many months and kind of figured some, some things out. And then, um, Jericho Road ended up, you know, hiring somebody to step in and take that on and grow that into more of a a functioning program or ministry. Um, and that also included, um, you know, connecting with, so, most people listening to this will know Joelle Herskin. She was already basically the kind of like providing spiritual care for staff. And so that all kind of got pulled together. And now there's, you know, there's a staff person and there's volunteers and 
that started as a collaborative collaborative effort between obviously Jericho Road itself and, and a couple of local pastors from some congregations. But even now it's grown into something that has, you know, Jericho Road leadership, but relies on volunteers, both, you know, pa- pastors and clergy and, and um, you know, just like spiritually mature men and women from lots of different congregations who are coming in and volunteering their time to do that, to, to meet those needs. And so it's this really cool collaborative effort where it's like, you know, again, Jericho road is doing this, but so are all of these different churches that are, are contributing to that. So that, does that work? Yeah. I would just say, um, might be helpful for those who might be listening that just don't know what Jericho road is. Yes. To to say what is Jericho road? Uh, to keep it super brief, Jericho road is a, community health center, a Christian community health center, uh, a couple blocks from where we're sitting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, really big. I think they've got, they've got several hundred employees. They see, you know, tens of thousands of people as patients for their medical clinic, but then they also have lots of other programs where they're meeting, you know, financial literacy needs or helping people teach their kids to read, or they do lots of things that are probably all loosely centered around kind of like uh, addressing addressing poverty or, or, you know, the needs connected to, to poor communities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It would be great. Uh, when <laughs> there's ever a time when, uh, his life is less chaotic, it'd be good to have Dr. Glick in here. Oh man. I'd love to interview Dr. <laughs> Glick. Dr. Glick. I know That's you're not fe- listening, but if you're listening, <laughs> we'd like to interview That's you. That's a future great conversation. Right. I'd be a fly on the wall on that one. Um, me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Um, so I can, t- I mean, I can tell just from, I mean, what we're 20 minutes into this and I, I know this already just cause I've, I've known you for years now, but this is a value of value that our church has that really excites you. Oh yeah. I love this. Right. So why, like, why is that? Ultimately it's probably rooted in two things. One is just my temperament, my personality, but two is also, I think some of the ways that God is calling me to engage as a, like what my, what he wants my role to be. Mm-hmm. And so just temperamentally, um, I love shiny new things. (laughs) And so when you talk about like networking and like meeting new people and connecting things, it's like, there's just, there's no end to the novelty there. Like that's actually what that's, that's what it should look like. And so I just like that. Um, like there's the novelty of finding, like meeting new people or, or, or discovering new, new things. But then there's also like the, the, I, I love creating things, starting things, you know? And so like getting things up and running, I I get so excited at the, like going from nothing to something. Oh man, that's where I thrive. Going from something to something organized, not so much. (laughs) And then taking that organized thing and like running it to perfection. Yeah. You don't want me anywhere near that. (laughs) So, so that's more like just what I like as that's my temperament. Um, but then also I do think that God has, God has like pulled me into that again. I think he wired me for it, but then that's that's what God wants me doing. And so I do get really excited about it, but also, I mean, I guess part of it too, part of why I get get excited about it is there is so much potential for us. And the us is like the big, the big C church, right? For, for us here in Western New York, Christians in Western New York or the church in our world, there's so much potential upside if we actually manage to figure this out, figure out how to how to live this out as a value. Mm. If if we actually started valuing each other 
this way in, in, re, in real true collaboration, not just kind of, you know, well, I know that I have a theological reason to call you my brother, but I'm not actually going to like ever eat dinner with you or engage in fellowship with you. Not like that, but more in the like, no, I like I value as my brother and like, we're going to get to know one another and really learn to love each other and then work together. Like if we actually start putting that into practice, I think there's so much potential power for God's kingdom to accomplish things here in our city and in our region and in our world that right now the church doesn't have the power to accomplish. Mm. So that's why I'm excited about it. Yeah. The stakes are big. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, there's probably lots of other places where the stakes are big too, but this is one of those places where because we've gotten it wrong for so long, if we could actually start to get it right, I think you could see again, real change happen. Yeah. So I guess <clears throat> I would want to hear more about like, like, sp- sp- I don't know, specifics, right? So like, this is something that is, um, the right way to phrase this. I think because you and Tammy and, you know, a couple other folks planted this church and like that, that's a value that I got weaved into, I think, you know, through conversations with, you know, we mentioned John Lee mm-hmm. and then some other pastors <clears throat> and, you know, you got connected with Dr. Click and Jericho Road and. Uh, this is a value that is like in the DNA of Buffalo Vineyard Church, right? All the way to the extent of like, um, you know, our church operates Five Lows Farm, right? right? So like we, like, er, I don't know, over 10 years ago, right? Like Matt Kaufman and Jess Kaufman showed up and we're like, we have this kind of, we want to like be a part of this church and now we feel like this is kind of what God's leading us to do and we're like, let's go, (laughs) right? Yeah. And I think, um, one thing that I think I would just point out about that relationship where I see, I think this value being at least particularly in our church's uh, context where I see this value probably most clearly mm. is that I, I think I, and it's hard to say for sure, but my tendency is to believe that most leaders and I, I would put myself in this category it, with, when presented with a situation like that, where someone says, I want to start this ministry as a, like a part of Buffalo Vineyard Church. The temptation is to want to like might really micromanage what can happen. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, speaking here as a micromanager. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm not a right. micromanager. Yeah. So like what has happened though is five, you've given, I mean, and I don't want to speak for Matt. It'd be good to have him on this podcast too. Um, but like you've given five Lows farm the space to like do what it does well. Mm. right like you don't know how to how to farm better than matt does no you don't know how to like run youth programming better than matt does right no uh nor do you really care to no uh, i would enjoy i would enjoy the the youth programming yes, part I of know it that the like i like eating the food that comes out of the garden <laughs> the growing it not really interested right. in that at all the pulling the weeds no and, don't want to do any of that uh the out at 2 a.m with the headlamp on during the planting season whacking baby bunnies with hammers <laughs> in case you didn't know those of you guys who eat uh good five oh. loaves farm produce that's uh that's where it came from there's some horror stories there <laughs> as with any farming and uh operation right well so yeah i think uh you just talking about that i think has shed some light on that where like 
I think that's a beautiful example, even just within our own church where yeah. that value for networks is on full display where, you know, you're not trying to really put your, like put the Buffalo vineyard stamp on it. You're not trying to mm-hmm. put the Steve Shank stamp on it. That kills it. Right. And like so much so that, I, I, and I've joked with you before that like we've almost gone too far <laughs> in the other direction where people are like, Five Lows Farm is part of what is your yeah, church? Right. You know, like, no, that's fair. But, but I, so like, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful yes. picture. Right? I think so. You know, so, some of what you're pointing at is just, it comes out of my temperament and it would be hard for me to do otherwise. And so as a leader, that's just how I lead. But some of that comes out of like real conviction too. Um, and that doesn't mean, so there are problems in the way, you know, you, you could probably fill your own podcast with lessons on how Steve has failed as a leader. I'm oh sure. Gosh. I'm sure you could. Um, I would not make that podcast. Well, I know you're a gracious man, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I'm, and I'm, I'm sure you're more aware of them than I am, but I'm at least aware of some of my flaws mm. as a leader. And oftentimes those flaws are exactly the same places where my strengths lie too, you know? Yep. So like the fact that I'm not a micromanager creates room for certain opportunities, but it also kills others, you know, and, mm. um, or creates some of the, some problems that are unique to my leadership style. So I do understand that. Um, th- some of the convictions though around it. Well, so first of all, back to like the whole metaphor of, you know, like, like operating in a village market versus, you know, operating in a homestead. So n- none of us, I-, I have yet to meet anybody. That's not true. I've, I've met a few people who have sewn their own pants, but not too many, right? Like of the, I don't know how many people I've met over the course of my life. You know, what is that? 10,000 people you've met in a lifetime. Yeah, sure. And I think I've met like two people who sewed their own pants, right? (laughs) So like we don't sew our own pants. It doesn't make sense to do that, right? And the reason for that is, is first of all, it'd probably cost you like a thousand dollars to make your own pants if you actually made them from scratch. Um, it would take you, you know, a hundred hours to make a pair of pants. Cause like, you're not any good at it. And then they would fall apart and you, you know, people would be seeing things you don't want them to see. Right. So this is not good for you. Not good for society. It's just a bad idea for you to sew your own pants. Yeah, right? right. Like we have people who are good at that and, um, who can, they're so good at that, that it, they can produce incredibly quality pants for you way cheaper than you could afford. If you, you know, went out and did all of the work to make pants yourself. Yeah. Right. And, and they look good and they feel good. And all, so it's like, you just, you, you don't sew your own pants. It would be silly to do that. But then in the, in the ministry world, we're always sewing our own pants yeah. all the time. Right. And so which is what looks like what, well, right. What does sewing your own pants in the ministry world actually look like? I think it looks like a lot of different things. Number one, it looks like, you know, this is where we started earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I could tell so many stories. I'll, I'll tell a story. So, uh, early on in my relationship with John Lee, um, I knew John as the, the Westside Ministries guy. Westside Ministries is the organization that has since become, they went through a name change. They're now 716 Ministries. Um, so this is before I had any kind of relationship with that organization, but I was friends with John. Um, they had um, a house on, oh no, this is a little later. So I was actually probably maybe even doing some volunteer work with them. But they had a house on uh, the block that our church is on. So this is 157 Potomac, where our our church building is at 175 Potomac. Mm -hmm. And um, seven our Westside Ministries was fixing up that house. There was a tenant in there, a woman named Eve, who had lived in that house for a long time. And um, Westside Ministries was fixing up that house. There was a few like volunteers from the church, but it was a lot of Westside Ministries folks. 
And I was involved because I was a local pastor and was connected to Eve who lived there and to Westside Ministries. And we were really working hard to try and keep Eve in that house while they were fixing it up and not like raise the rent on her or give her the boot or anything. And ultimately they were, they were trying to help her buy the house that didn't end up working out. But this was, you know, like my role was I showed up like once or twice a week and just kind of like, you know, chatted with Eve or prayed for her or whatever, you know, it was, this was like a West side ministries project. But one of the interesting things about that is that I kept having neighbors come up to me from our block saying, Oh, pastor Steve, it's so awesome what the church is doing for Eve. And I would always respond with, Oh, well, it's not the church. It's this other organization called West side ministries that we partner with. They're doing the work, but like we're, we're partners with them. And so we're connected to it. Mm. And I literally, this happened, I don't know, five, six times. I would get like halfway through that spiel that I just gave and I could tell they were checking out. Like, mm. They didn't understand what I was talking about and didn't care. They just wanted to tell me thanks and and leave. And so finally I had a neighbor come up and say, oh, it's so cool what the church is doing for Eve. And I just responded with, yeah, it is. Isn't that cool? Like, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I just totally took credit for all the work that Westside <laughs> Ministries is doing. But in that moment and thinking about it afterwards, it clicked. It's like, well, of co- like, why wouldn't we take credit for what one of our partner organizations is doing? In fact, mm. that's what Westside Ministries wanted, was a congregation to come along, take credit for their work, and actually try and engage in the relational ministry to Eve that Westside Ministries really wasn't in a position to do. Not, I mean, they had some relationship with her, but like, th- there weren't going to be a congregation or a fellowship that she could participate in. That's yeah, not what right. they are, right? And so something clicked there for me where it's like, it's, it, it, was, it was like, oh, that's... That's actually what this is supposed to look like is that we actually see each other as, you know, members on the same team as opposed to competitors or something like that. Um, and so that's, that's an example of what it should look like, but it rarely looks like that. So, so often instead what it would look like is our congregation would be upset that Westside Ministries is on our block doing ministry to one of our neighbors. And so we're going to start our own competing housing ministry to start fixing up houses on our block so that they don't like take our influence or take our funding or take our whatever. And that's sewing your own pants Mm. is that. And then even, I think to your point, the, the, you know, the, the like creating space and not trying to like put your stamp on everything all, all the time I think that also is, is connected to that, you know, where, yeah. so collaboration, I would define as, um, you could, we could, we could talk about more things, but really we're collaborating when we're doing three things. So this could be you and I, or it could be, you know, our congregation with Grace Community Church or our congregation with 716 Ministries. We're collaborating when there's shared resources, Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe you're contributing money and I'm contributing labor. Or we're both contributing money and both contributing labor or whatever, but like we're both contributing. Right. So we're both sharing resources for some sort of a project We're we're collaborating when we're sharing control. Right. So this isn't me telling you what to do. This isn't you telling me what to do. This is us together figuring out what to do. Yeah. And then we're also collaborating when we're sharing credit. Right. This isn't me doing all the work and you going and getting your picture taken. 
or the other way around. This is really about something we did with shared resources. We made decisions together and together we're saying, look at what we did, right? That's collaboration. And, um, Mm -hmm. and again, that could be like Mark and Steve, right? Where, and I mean, you think about this all the time. There's work product where it's like Mark did this. And there's work product where it's like Steve did this, but there's also plenty of things you and I partner together where it's like, well, who did this? Well, we both did, right? You, we both contributed. I mean, in this case, it's not money, it's labor. It's like, we both worked on this. We both gave some of our skill to this. Um, and then the question is like, to what degree was Steve dictating to Mark or Mark did it dictating to Steve? Or is this like a shared decision making process where we said, I think this is how we should do this. And that decision wasn't really Mark or Steve's decision. It was ours together. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, who gets the credit for that? And again, like you can kill it by, I I could kill it by standing up and saying, look at what I did. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so that just say, yes, (laughs) (laughs) right. Exactly. And so when it's like two people or two organizations are sharing resources and sharing control and then sharing credit, that's what collaboration looks like. Yeah. And so when you start, you know, refusing to share resources, whether it's like, I won't contribute or I won't let you contribute where you start refusing to share control where it's like, I refuse to make decisions or I won't let you make decisions where you refuse to share credit where it's like, ah, you know, I don't want to be attached to that or I want all the credit. Then you start killing collaboration and you start like you, 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 you close it down. Yeah. And so whether it's inside our church or within our neighborhood, it's important that we're actually finding ways to contribute resources and allow our partners to contribute resources. It's important that we're finding ways to have a voice and to speak to what we think should be done, but also to allow our partners to tell us what needs to be done. And it's also important that, you know, yeah, this is something we were a part of. We do want to have our name attached to this, but it's not ours. Like this is something we did together. This is a kingdom thing that really is bigger than our church or bigger than Steve or bigger than, or small group or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's also not new, right? So like (laughs) this, uh, it made me just think of, uh, the end of the book or the end of Acts chapter two, right? Which like in Acts 242, right? Which this podcast title alludes to, in addition to being the address of our house that the church owns, right? That we do all this sort of coincidentally or providentially. (laughs) Exactly. Both, (laughs) maybe both. Uh, yeah, right. So like listen to the listen to these like five verses at the end of Acts chapter two. It says starting in verse forty two, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Right? That's that's important. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. So like there's that ancient form of collaboration. Right. And then like that little end end piece there, right. It's like collaboration leads to like multiplication. I mean, obviously, but that's like, that's how they were multiplying. Um, And so to me, that makes me think that, and I would be curious what you think about this, but what feels kind of like a new way of doing ministry to you, particularly when you showed up here 15 years ago is actually like this ancient way of doing ministry. And it perhaps is starting to like unbind maybe particularly in the American church of these ways of like these isolationists. Uh, I mean, I think the example of a homestead is a really powerful one because that's such an American mindset of like a frontier, like, 
I'm going to go take this land and just look at these pants I made hundred <laughs> percent. Right. And like, that's in all of it. Like I have that. Yes. I, I want to, I don't know. Yeah. So I'd just be curious if what you, if, if you have more to say about that, if, if, if am I right in? in oh yeah, 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 that? totally. Yes. I mean, you know, there is, as so on the pages of the new Testament are documents of schism in the church. So it's, yeah. that's also old too. Yes. Right. But, but you don't have that kind of, deep organizational schism in the church really until at least in my reading of, of church history until, you know, the split between the East and the West. And I can't remember some it's in the year, the, the, the 11th century. Mm -hmm. But um, again, there, there were schisms that existed and fights within the church, but that's really kind of like the beginning of, you know, the, the, the fracturing of Christendom. And that doesn't necessarily, you can have organizational uniformity, without necessarily having unity or collaboration. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure that, you know, there were periods under this kind of like, you know, unified organizational church where there was still plenty of division, but. Well, the scripture also, it doesn't acts doesn't say right. all the believers were together and had everything in common and they were all very happy about it. <laughs> right. it <doesn't, laughs> right. They all, it doesn't yeah. say that. <laughs> uh, so that seems important. No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but but so so I think to your point yes this is not a new thing this is God's original vision for the I mean this is God's original vision for human humanity you know yeah. it's not even like a Christian thing it's just a it's a like God's value for us you know mm-hmm. um but you know the very beginning you know they our, our first parents made the decision to rebel and that rebellion led not only to a fracturing in their relationship with God, but a fracturing in their relationship with each other. And that, you know, that division between people has persisted. That's part of what Jesus went to the cross to deal with as much as he went to deal with the, the alienation between us and God. He also, you know, in the words of Ephesians, he tore down the, the dividing wall of hostility that exists between people and so that is, you know, a part of the ministry of the church is reconcil- reconciling people to each other. Um, and that looks like not just, not just, you know, in name only, but in practice, right? The, I mean, the word koinonia oftentimes gets translated in the New Testament uh, in English into um, like fellowship or like, mm-hmm. and so there's this idea of like family and love and like, like fellowship, that absolutely is present in the word koinonia, but also the word koinonia sometimes gets translated into words like partnership. Mm -hmm. And so as much as, so one way of conceiving of koinonia would be like family. Another way of conceiving of koinonia would be like, um, you know, soccer team or, or business, you know, business partners or right. And like koinonia is both of those. It's both of those together where it's like, we've been joined together with bonds of affection and we love one another, but we also have been joined around a common purpose and we work together. That's koinonia. Right. Mm. And so, um, I lost my train of thought. Why did I bring that up? Mm. Uh, Oh, but just that that's like what the church was supposed to be. Right. And so that was always present and, 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 in many ways we've lost that. Right. And so maybe we'll, and this is where, you know, like there, as, as far as I've been paying attention in ministry circles, I think there are people who are working towards unity. So it's not like that hasn't sure. existed either. There are people who see the schism in the church as a problem and are attempting to address it. But one of the things that I think is really unique about what's happening here in Buffalo is 
there's kind of like levels or depths to partnership or to collaboration, right? There's a big difference between, you know, um, like a pastor from one church going and preaching a sermon in another pulpit, like, which is, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. Or, you know, like ministry leaders praying together, or like we've had some over the last, you know, whatever, seven or eight years since I've been here in Buffalo, there've been some really big public worship events with lots of leaders from lots of different churches crossing theological and racial lines. And, and again, those are great and powerful, right? And, and a part of what we're talking about when we're talking about unity, but none of those rise to the level of really what what I would describe as like practical collaboration. Those are more like symbols of unity. You know, it's like symbolic acts of unification where you've got pastors on a stage together saying we love each other in the name of Christ. And I'm not trying to belittle that because it's important and it matters, but that's not the same thing as saying, okay, but now we're going to find a way to engage in this ministry endeavor together. Or even, I mean, this is where I would say you start getting into deep levels of collaboration when, you know, which, so for example, our church, our congregation and 716 Ministries have developed a kind of relationship where I could point to examples where we have actually kind of like exercised veto power over the other organization. Hmm. Like, hey, don't do that. That wouldn't be good for us if you did that. Or we don't think it would be good for the kingdom if you did that. Instead, could you consider doing this? And yeah. like, that's a pretty deep level of partnership, right? Sure. When you can say to another organization, Hey, I know you're planning to do X. We don't think you should do that. We think you should do Y. And they go, all right, cool. We'll do Y. Yeah. Right. That's, that's collaboration. And so I think that is something that I'm seeing happen here in Buffalo, which is pretty cool to see congregations and organizations and individuals and, you know, Christians who run businesses or whatever, engaging with each other in that way where it's like, oh, okay, you've got a proposal. I'll listen to it simply because you're a brother or sister in Christ and I'll entertain, I'll entertain that. I'll let you speak into the way, Mm -hmm. the way I live my life or the way that I run my ministry. Um, and that's deeper unity than just like, we're going to stand on stage together and speak about kind of the, the theological truths of the unity of the body. We're actually going to put it into practice. Yeah, sure. Hmm. I want to go back. So I want to go back to um, the word koinonia because it, it's that, I think the sort of dual meaning, and you've talked about this in other conversations we've had here. You've talked about this just in a plenty of plenty of other places that dual meaning of both fellowship and partnership. I think it, so you're you also lead bump, right? Buffalo yes. urban mission partnership. Not uh, by myself, but no, yes, but that's something that you started in this also of, not by myself. But sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not going to force you to take credit. <laughs> <In the, laughs> I'll take some of it. I was part sure, of it, but I definitely it. was not. There was a team. Yeah. So, and that's also, you know, part of the DNA of Buffalo Vineyard church too. Um, and yeah, I guess I just, I'd be, I think this is a good place for you to talk a little bit about, about sure. bump too, yeah. um, which is coming out of, I mean, all of the things that we've already talked about. Yep. Um, so yeah. What, like what is bump? And I would just say bump is all, these all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so like that, particularly in the partnership, right? It's right. like, uh, yes. So I think it would be good for you to talk about just like what what is bump because I mean there's tons of people in our community that have gone through bump right um, and but man that partner the way that bump uh, participates in that partnership piece is really really interesting yeah. to me 
Well, so I, I'll tell I'll answer the question. What is bump and tell a little bit of the story of how it came into being too. Cause I think that also shed mm-hmm. some light on it. Um, so bump, the short version is bump is a gap year program. So people come into Buffalo. Um, we've had a few people from Buffalo, but mostly people are coming from outside of Buffalo to Buffalo for a year and they're committing to three things while they're here. The biggest thing they're committing to is working in some sort of a ministry setting for like 35, 40 hours a week for a church or a nonprofit um, and doing ministry broadly. So they could be, you know, so like Zach, our worship leader at our church, came and did a year-long worship ministry internship at our church. So it could be like that's fairly kind of traditional ministry. Um, but also we've had people work at the farm, working, doing, doing farm work, working at Jericho road, doing medical work, um, working at a couple of different nonprofits, doing more like, uh, administrative or it work. Um, as well as again, people doing like church planting internships or youth ministry internships. So kind of the broad spectrum of ministry, but doing work in the name of Jesus here in our city, 35, 40 hours a week. Right. So that's, that's one thing that they're committing to in their year. The second thing that they're committing to is life and community. So they live together at a rectory that Bump rents and manages, and they're expected to be a part of a local con- congregation, a local fellowship, to have a mentor. Um, so there's some expectations that they are participating in Christian community. Um, and then the third thing is we have a weekly class that's it's not super academic, um, but it's a class. It's kind of a space where, you know, myself and several other leaders um, sh- are sharing some, some ideas, but also creating space for people to engage both with those ideas and kind of decompress about the things that they're seeing and experiencing in their, their year of service. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the program. Mm-hmm. And then that is, uh, led by myself and leaders from, so there's a couple of people from leaders from our church, but also leaders from other churches mm-hmm. that we co-lead that together. Um, and then the, the, the placements where people are placed at. So we have, I think we have six, yeah, we have six this year. Um, I think we've had like the biggest cohort we've had is like 12 or 13. We probably average like eight to 10 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're placed at lots of different placement sites. Right. And so those are, those are organizations that we're explicitly partnering with, um, by placing these people there. Um, and then again, like our leadership team is a collaborative effort of, you know, people from, from different, different churches and different places in in the kingdom here in Buffalo. Um, so that's kind of what it looks like now. Mm -hmm. And then how that actually, um, was birthed is uh, kind of a fun story. So when I first moved to Buffalo and was, um, you know, I'm a pastor trying to plan a church and it was really lonely. Um, I ended up connecting to, uh, there was a pastor who lived across the street from me, uh, Pastor Paul Achim. Um, I'm just smiling. I haven't seen him in a long time, but I still see him online. Sometimes we'll interact. He, he moved, he's from Nigeria, moved back to Nigeria but so I met Pastor Paul and then through him met Drew Ludwig, um, who had just moved to Buffalo to um, take on the role as the pastor of Lafayette Avenue Presbyterian. And then also met uh, Nate Pressinger, who had just come into town. He was actually trying to plant a Lutheran church, but they had asked him to um, pastor Parkside Lutheran in the process. So the four of us started meeting together and praying for each other um, once a week, having breakfast and praying together. And... Um, 
after a year or so, we'd, so we developed some pretty good relationship. I think it was around that time that Pastor Paul moved back and we had started to develop some other friendships. And so that group kind of morphed from a like, Hey, how's your soul? How can we pray for you? Are you okay? To, you know, we were like, talking theology and politics and scripture and stuff. And so we ended up opening it up and inviting more people to come to it. And it turned into this pretty cool group of people who would get together, cook some pancakes and (laughs) talk theology. And, you know, you would show up and there was no real agenda. You know, it was like, who's got a topic or, you know, what are you reading in scripture? What do you read in the news? Or, you know, what, what do you want to talk about? And, um, there was probably like, 20 or so people who were coming to that. We usually have like seven or eight at a time, you know, that was kind of like a regular, um, group. Um, but it was just this cool little fellowship of ministry leaders and having cool conversations. And, uh, John Lee comes into this story. Okay. So John would come every now and then and kind of use that group as his own little personal think tank. (laughs) He'd show up with a question. Tell me what you guys think about, talk about this while I listen, you know, (laughs) but he didn't, he didn't come that often. So one day he showed up and he was like, look, you pastors just sit around and talk. That's all you ever do. When are you going to actually do something? Right. And instead of getting mad at him, we were like, well, I don't know. What would we do if we were going to do something? And, um, so we, we took the question seriously and we're talking about it. And one of the things that we identified that would be kind of a need in our city that we could actually meet um, was around, you know, there, there were lots of young people coming to Buffalo, usually Houghton grads who are coming to Buffalo to get involved in ministry work here who are kind of getting their teeth kicked in by, mm-hmm. by ministry in the city. Um, they didn't know what they were getting into. And there's some hard things that are involved in particularly doing ministry work with you know, people who are marginalized and trying to to help in some way. And so we thought we could actually, we could do something about that. And so what we conceived of was, you know, really a program that just pulled a bunch of pieces that already existed together. Right. So you've got these people coming from, you know, you got Houghton grads coming to the city to serve that, that already, that already exists. We don't have to make that happen. Um, What do they need? Well, they need really Christian community and like a space to kind of debrief or decompress or like understand or comprehend what's going on. Right. Well, Christian community exists yeah. and like we've got a bunch of pastors who like to sit around and talk theology with people. Like all of the pieces already exist. We just have to like pull them all together yeah. and then call it a program. And that really was the birth of bump. That was that it's like, Hey, the, these, these are ways that we could contribute. We could pull together all of these different pieces and these organizations are already pulling in interns and these interns are showing up and, but there's some things that need to be coordinated to make this work. Um, and so that group, that group of ministry leaders and really, so it was myself, um, Nate Pressinger, the Lutheran pastor, Drew Ludwig, the um, Presbyterian pastor, Jeremy Hazleton. Uh, we always used to joke that we didn't know what kind of pastor he was, but uh, <laughs> Jeremy Hazleton, um, <laughs> uh, John Lee, and then Joel Herskin, um, who both were, you know, coming more from the, the nonprofit world than the kind of pastoral ministry side of things. But those six of us, we we made bump. We, we started bump together, the six of us. And... Um, so yeah, and it's grown. I mean, it's been, I think this is, this is year nine or 10, something like that. So that, that was a decade ago now that we made the decision to do this. Yeah. I, yeah. I just think this, this conversation has reminded me of, I mean, it reminded me of bump, but I think it bump kind of captures 
kind of like all the pieces of the things that you and I've been kind of kicking around and that you've been talking about that excites you about this idea. And, yeah. You know, it kind of combines all those things. I even think it's beautiful that idea that, I mean, the, the foundation of it is, you know, four or five pastors from different denominations coming together. Like it's rooted in like the unity of that, the church of the broken church. Right. Yeah. Um, well, it's really funny. Cool. Year one of bump bump class was basically, um, the four pastors getting together and arguing over theology while Joel basically like <laughs> mediated between us. And it went over really well. Like I think people really loved that. Then year two, we had like a totally different cohort and we, we tried to do the same thing, just like get together and fight over theology and people didn't like it at all. So we ended up actually having to put together a curriculum and yeah. So, well, and it's grown into kind of like a pretty like robust program now. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, again, it is part of the DNA of Buffalo Vineyard Church. Um, for a number of reasons, like we share staff, right? It's like technically the same organization in yeah. some ways, but yeah. Hmm. So what are from Buffalo Vineyards? So, so sort of zoom back out to like Buffalo Vineyard Church. Who are, so we've already n- named some of them, but who are some of the other ministries that we partner with regularly and and why do we do that? Right. So like, you know, we, we've mentioned Jericho Roads, Jericho Road Community Health Center, 716 Ministries. Like who, like, are there other ones? Are those the main ones? And why do we partner with them so yeah. regularly? So those two, I mean, Bump, right? Mm-hmm. The farm is a ministry of our church. So I don't know if it makes sense to talk about collaborating with the farm or not. It but does. I mean, I think they operate like their own ministry. Right. Um, and then there are some congregations, right? So we share a building with two congregations, mm-hmm. um, the, the Messianic missionary and, oh no, no, that's the old one. Um, shoot. Why am I blanking on the name of Pastor Joshua's fellowship? I always get him, the brother, his brother. So Pastor Joshua was a part of his brother's fellowship when we first moved here. Um, but Grace Community and, um, what? that's going to, that's going to bug Mission me. of Christ? Is that what they're called? Wow. Isn't that what, they call, what it's called? Something like that. That's horrible. Anyway, so... Oh, we got to get that right. We do got to get that right. <laughs> get it right. We're going to get it right. Um, but yeah, so the the two congregations in our building and, um, you know, there's also a couple of other congregations in our neighborhood that we've had some degree of partnership with in different ways over the years. Um, you know, so I mentioned Jeremy Hazelton is the pastor of Village Church. Um, Elijah Shemenda until recently was the pastor of resurgent city and we still have a relationship with that congregation. So yeah, those are the organizations I would point out here locally. And then we also have some partnerships with some global, global organizations too. Right. So there's, um, uh, sowers ministry, which is, and these, these are all, uh, organizations that we have relational connections to through people in our congregation. So sowers, they do work in a lot of places, but, uh, in, China, Nepal, um, and they do a lot of, they, they're primarily doing work in evangelism and church planting and supporting church planters, uh, you know, resourcing congregations with Bibles, things like that. Um, and then there's, um, the, um, Palestinian Bible society, which we have a relationship with through the Ely's and they, man, they do some really hard work in, uh, in the Middle East and, you know, they, they're, doing work in Gaza and, and yeah, there's, I mean, even recently they had somebody, I guess it's, it's been a couple of years now, but they had somebody martyred. So like that's, they're doing 
really important work in a really tough place. Um, and we just added, uh, so Brant and Nora, the Copens, um, Mm -hmm. who, uh, they're, they're still here in the States, but Brant has been involved in work in India for uh, many years. And so there are people that were kind of adding to that list of global partners and then Jericho Road's global work. Um, so Jericho Road, we have a ton of relational connections to through people in our congregation, but they're doing work, not just here in our neighborhood, but also in, um, is it three, four? Have they started? I actually don't know if they've start officially started work in Myanmar, Burma, but in three other countries, maybe four. Yeah. So. It is Mission of Christ. Pastor Joshua, sorry. Messianic Missionary was Pastor Aristote's congregation, and Joshua was was one of the leaders there. But mm. then they moved out. That's that's before me. Yeah. Right. So they they so Pastor Aristote planted his brother as a pastor of another congregation, Mission of Christ. Mm. And then they moved back into the building after Messianic Missionary moved out. Well, and I think that that's something that I've always found really compelling about our church. Even when Amanda and I first showed up a few years ago, just as members of the community, you know, like there's this really, I think even, you know, the, the, the Sunday gatherings that we, when we get together on Sundays as a community, right, yeah. which is not all that we are, obviously, but that is part of our community life together. And, yeah. you know, the fact that we are gathering together in an old free Methodist building, mm-hmm. you know, like it's it, that whole, I've researched that history that I know you have. I'm <laughs> fascinated by it, but it's an old free Methodist mission, right? Yeah. Like uh, that, I think it was built in 1880. Next time you're coming, like if you listen, if you're listening to this and you come to our Sunday gatherings, uh, take a look at the at the cornerstone the next time you're coming in. It's it's got the history on there. Yep. So like you know, there's like we're sort of stepping into the history of collaborative ministry on right. the west side, uh, which I think is just a powerful symbol uh, of all the things we've been talking about. Um, so I think to to wrap this up, Steve, I have one last question for you, which is uh, something we were talking about a little bit ahead of time, but. Um, kind of what we've been talking about, this value for ministry networks, uh, it's easy to talk about it sort of like at this sort of like higher congregational type of level, right? Like it's right. easy to talk about how we as a congregation collaborate with Jericho Road or 716. Um, but how might this actually impact us as individuals, right? So like what, yeah. do, what do we take from this as just individuals? Um, and, and how does this kind of maybe change how we think about um, relating to one another, uh, how does this affect our relationship with, with Christ? Right. Like, like, like what, what do we glean from this as individuals? I, I think I want to point at two things. One is super big picture and the other is maybe a little bit more pragmatic and practical. Okay. Um, excuse me. So the big picture one is just that we would see ourselves as members of the body of Christ globally and historically first and foremost, and I would see that as incredible that like, that's a really profound thing to say. If you really understand it, that will have all sorts of immediately practical consequences if you really understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also get, you know, we were talking about this in the car that, you know, for me, like getting the big picture, right. Really matters. Um, I really value that, but I also know it doesn't matter to everybody. You know, sure. some people are like, well, I don't, I don't really care about the big picture if it doesn't affect the details of my life. Why would I bother? Mm-hmm. But for me, like the big picture really matters. I do think that it's practical. Um, but just ha- like having that sense of 
you know, I'm not a Buffalo Vineyard Church person. I'm not a vineyard person. I'm not an American. I'm not a white person. I'm not like, none of those things are my core identity. My core identity is I'm a Jesus person. All of those other things are true too. And so like, I don't mean to say, you know, we don't have a race if we're a Christian or we don't have a, you know, politics if we're a Christian or a nationality or a denomination or like, of course we have all those things and we don't need to ignore them. Um, and there are even times and places where they're really important to pay attention to, but they can't be primary. Mm -hmm. They can't be. And the problem is, is they almost always are. Mm. Um, and so we really need to be people whose primary identity is we are students of Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. We belong to him. He's our King. And, you know, we're trusting him to teach us how to live life and to be human beings and to relate to God and relate to each other and relate to money and relate to sex and relate to food and like that's that's who we are, and um, so again, hopefully that is both really big picture, but also becomes really practical, you know. Yeah. So I think that's one thing, and then the other thing, hopefully this is a little bit more practical, is that we would be looking for places to collaborate, right? To share credit, share control, share resources, and that cuts both ways. Right. So that's, you know, where, where are ways where we can invite people to partner with us and what we're doing, but also where are ways that we can partner with other people and what they're doing. And, you know, that, that could be within the context of a congregation. You know, if you're somebody who hosts a small group or I don't know, volunteers with the Sunday school kids program or, um, or even just likes to host people at your house on Sundays after service or whatever, you know, it's like, okay, well, how do you, how do you invite people to partner with you in that? Or how do you find the ways that people in our congregation are doing some stuff and you partner with them? But it also could be, you know, what, what are people doing for ministry or what are people doing for work or what, you know, how do we find ways that, you know, I mean, you and I both work for the church. So that's the primary place where we're thinking of kind of like ministry, but that's not most people in our congregation. Most people in our congregation, they're, you know, teaching at a school or, you know, working at the grocery store or, yeah, you know, doing different things. It's like, all right, well, how, how does, how does that flow out of your Christian faith and how can you find ways to be collaborating around that, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, you know, you've got a, a neighbor that you're trying to minister to out of your Christian conviction. How, how do you invite people into that? Mm-hmm. How do you collaborate around that? Um, because at the end of the day, <clears throat> n- none of us are actually, none of us are fully equipped to do the things that God has called us to do. If we think that the equipment doesn't include other Christians. Yeah. Right. And all of us actually are fully equipped to do what we're called to do. As long as we get that, that equipment includes each other includes Mm -hmm. the body of Christ as, as a whole. And so we're, you know, we're called to be in some way, shape or form, like the pointing to the spear or like that, that point on the network that's getting work done, but we're still called to be a part of that broader network of kingdom people and, you know, say, Hey Mark, I need some help with this. Yeah. Right. Mm. Or Hey Mark, how do you need help with that? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, that actually reminds, that makes me think of, uh, our, our relationship with our neighbor, Adam, (laughs) right? (laughs) Adam, right. Our, our buddy. Yeah, man. Uh, and I think that that's a good example of, of should I check that, my phone to see if I have a text from him? You probably, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's reaching out. Oh man. That would be great if he actually did text you. Well, he might, I've got, <laughs> I've got nine unanswered texts on my phone right now. So let's see if he's one of them. Oh man. Nope. He's not. All right. 
That would have been perfect. Right. I mean, I do think that's a good example of one of the ways that sort of like that value for ministry networks has been worked out in a personal, right. like in a small neighborly oh, yeah, right. scale. Right. So like, you know, the, the quick story of Adam is, this is, you know, man, two years ago plus, I think it was the summer of, well, no, yeah, it was uh, summer of 2020, I guess is when it was. Uh, Amanda and I were in the process of like a pretty big renovation on our house. And uh, Adam, who is, lives right around the corner from us, uh, he his, he's blind. He's from Yemen, right? And he his, his wife walks up and he starts a conversation with me and asks if he needs, uh, if I know how to put to gr- a grill together, you know? I'm like, oh, sure, yeah, I, I, I could put a grill together. And it, it turns out I end up like taking on this whole big project. <laughs> like He's like, oh, yeah, here's the box. You can put it together and bring it back to me. And I'm like at my house at like 10 o'clock at night trying to put this grill together for him. Uh, but it ended up being this just like great relationship starter, yeah. right? Just this very natural neighborly relationship. And uh, he ended up like, so he's blind, so he needs a lot of help. Right. right. Like he, he needs a lot of help just like getting around town or, uh, just with like real things that would be very simple tasks for, for you and I, Steve. And, um, you know, so for the last couple of years, that relationship has been like, you know, either me reaching out and checking on him when it's snowing or whatever, or him reaching out and asking me for some help or a ride or whatever. But this cool moment happened last year where, uh, I, I couldn't, I wasn't as available because I've got I've got two little babies, so like I, I could not help him as much as he needed help, right? And I was having a conversation with Gail about it, and uh, she at the time was just like really desperate to like just get connected to more of the uh, like the the Muslim community here in in Buffalo, right? And uh, it was just this really natural moment where I was like, oh, I'd, you know, she would ask me about it and asked me if she could get get to know him, and we ended up getting together and we're so flash forward to this one afternoon uh gail and i go over to adam's house and we're and he invites us into uh, his living room we're sitting on the big couch and uh gail just starts to speak in arabic and it just like blows his mind right it blows his and he like he he literally stood up off the couch and just like screamed for his wife and his kids (laughs) to come downstairs and uh they just start talking in Arabic, like very simple, but man, and it was just, that's that, that beautiful picture of like, even on this personal level, uh, I learned that lesson. I felt like of, right. I, I don't need to be the sole person that needs to be like the Christian neighbor to Adam. You know, like I belong to this community that's dynamic, that has a lot of different things to offer. Uh, and, like a lot of different things to like enrich Adam's Including life. the capacity to speak Arabic. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm not going to go and learn Arabic, right? And I, so it was just like in that one afternoon, I just saw that like beautiful picture of all those things coming together. Uh, and I, I think like those types of moments are like available for us. Yes. If we're willing. And I think it comes back to what you said at the beginning of if we have the imagination for it. Yeah. You know, and it also takes that pressure off yeah, a little right. bit. You know, it's just yeah. like, I don't have to be the sole representative of like the Christian community to this person. Yeah. And good thing. <laughs> Cause I make a lousy representative yeah. even when I try my best. Right. Yep. Um, and that's kind of, it's by design. It's by, it's like, it really is this ancient form of, of being followers of Christ together, which is beautiful. Amen. All right. Should we, should we wrap it up? Sure. Yeah. Anything you want to add? 
Oh, I don't know. Don't I, let don't let me say the last word, Steve. <laughs> the smile. All right, I'm gonna wrap it up. Sweet. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. 242 is a podcast from Buffalo Vineyard Church in Buffalo, New York. Our mission is to teach people the way of King Jesus by regularly encountering God, training each other in the faith, and effectively serving our neighbors. This podcast is just one of the many ways we work to realize this. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or get in touch, visit us at buffalovineyard.org. Our theme music is Face to Face from Vineyard Worship. Thank you for listening.